Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. You're here with Travis Jones and Jason Barrett for another episode. Today, we are talking all things stress, sleep, fat loss, and how it actually impacts your daily life and how to overcome it as well. What's happening, Jace? Uh, how are you going today, buddy? Doing really well, man. Doing really well. Am I, I slept well. You know, I've got my sleep tracker ring on, so I know that I slept really well. I've got the uh, the all the data there to back it up. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful, you know, beautiful sunny day here in Perth. Yeah, awesome, mate. It's actually quite warm down here in Tassie as well. Um, but it's very rare. Um, but with this, mate, I think, you know, we, we often look at um, sleep and stress not enough with um, fat mm. loss. And I think with this is the biggest thing. It's like, you know, if we aren't sleeping then it, or sleeping well, it's very hard as if you have a young family to actually prioritize your sleep. But, you know, understanding that everyone has different constraints. We're going to talk about how optimal um, we should be at the moment, understanding that, you know, some of us might be not optimal waking up multiple times with the kids at night at the moment. Though, if we can start to prioritize our sleep, that means it's going to be easier for us to follow our nutrition plan. It means our willpower will be higher. Our ability to stay disciplined will be easier. Our ability to lose fat and gain lean muscle is also going to be easier. So I think there's sleep and people think, yeah, I want to sleep good because I want to recover or I just want to not be as groggy. But there's also a cascade of hormonal effects that happen when sleep is poor. Uh, I think that is the why we need to sleep well. And it's not just like, I want to feel good. It's like, no, your body actually needs you to sleep well. So when we look at it and I talk just briefly about some of the hormonal effects, and then we'll go into, you know, how we can actually start to optimizing, optimize our sleep. So when we're looking at it's like poor sleep, it disrupts our hormonal imbalance inside the body. It then disrupts our ability to regulate our appetite. Um, this also leads to cravings. And then we're going to start to overeat if we're craving more. We impacts our secretion of our hormones that regulate the appetite, which is our ghrelin, our leptin, and our insulin. So when we're looking at this, our leptin levels, or our leptin is a hormone essentially that regulates your metabolism, okay? And, and also regulates our metabolism and it will suppress our metabolism um, when it's decreased. So a lack of sleep will suppress leptin inside the body. So then we uh, metabolism can slow down and also our ability to become full decreases. So the leptin gives us a sense of satiety. So if we're not full, we're going to keep eating and we don't have that signal. It's like, hey, mate, you've eaten enough. So it's harder to essentially stick to our calories. Now, also, when we're looking at this, it impacts ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells us when we're hungry. So leptin tells us when we're full, ghrelin tells us where we're hungry. So if ghrelin essentially is pulsing out of control because it increases the ghrelin hormone, it means we're actually hungrier more often. So poor sleep will make you hungrier more often and also turn off the ability to be full. So now all of a sudden you've got this, so we have this double whammy of essentially, you know, not being able to get full and always being hungry. And we're like, oh, can I allow willpower to control this? No. <laughs> like you only have so much willpower. You only have so much, you're a reactive discipline. So these are the two biggest things, you know, our, greptin and our, le our ghrelin and our leptin levels. Then all of a sudden cortisol comes into play. Now this is a stress hormone. Um, this affects our ability to control our metabolism. It contributes to inflammation and uh, contributes to our weight gain. So we need to understand it's like, okay, well, I need to look after my sleep because it's increasing a chronic stress hormone and 
cortisol is fine when we're regularly secreting cortisol into the bloodstream. We actually need it. But when we're having chronic levels of cortisol in the bloodstream, it's going to break down lean muscle mass. It's going to cause inflammation inside the body. It's going to cause it harder to um, essentially lose fat. Increased cortisol actually promotes weight gain around the midsection, which is the exact area guys are trying to lose weight or belly fat. So we have all these little things going on that we don't. We don't want, and the last thing is going to start to fluctuate blood sugar levels. So, you know, we start to look at our insulin levels. They start to skyrocket. So we have these fluctuating blood sugar levels throughout the day, you know, we're, and we're thinking, oh, I need that muffin. I need that energy drink. I need that, you know, fix to keep getting me going through the down periods throughout the day. And all it is, it's not, you need to get down through the down periods throughout the day. You're just trying to regulate your blood sugar levels. So, we have all these hormones that start working against us, okay? So, and you can't fight your body, okay? This is your biology. You can't fight against it. And you only have so much willpower. So instead, we need to go, okay, I need to fix my sleep. Now, I need to look after myself. I need to get adequate sleep. I need proper cognitive function because that's also going to happen. We have a decline inside um, essentially a prefrontal cortex that starts to decrease as far as our ability to you know, use that which then that's responsible for our decision-making ability. So our decision-making goes out the window. So then we, we can't do that. Now, impulse control goes down as well. So all of a sudden, impulse control goes down. Hunger, we have this constant hunger and we aren't being full. Like if we look at this, of course, people who have um, some form of sleep deprivation or lack of sleep are going to gain weight. So I think when we look at all this, this is why we're doing this podcast, okay? We need to get, get our sleep under control. And it's not just for any airy fairy, let's sleep well. It's like, no, because we need to get your brain chemistry, your hormones and everything on track so you can hit the protocols we've talked about in the previous podcasts. I think it's, um, and I was chatting to one of my clients who is, he's not a night shift worker, but he's a shift worker who go three afternoon shifts, three night shifts, three day shifts. And it is, uh, it is a struggle to maintain. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through a couple of hacks and techniques where we can create like some routines that will help you get to sleep better. Because if your sleep schedule is constantly changing, that's, what's going to be one of the biggest things that will mess you up. But, um, they even say that when people are hung over, it's usually not because of the alcohol. Oh, I need to eat all this food. It's because you've had all that alcohol you've gotten home late you've had a crap quality of sleep so your hunger hormones are all over the place as Trav was talking about so it's not really oh i'm hung over i need that that chicken wrap and i need the the bacon and egg muffin and the pancakes right it's not because you're hung over it's because you've had a shitty sleep and you've got no impulse control your hunger hormones are going and you're just having whatever and yeah greasy food feels good fuck it right so when we're talking about creating this sort of sleep pattern that's ideal especially when we have kids, right? When you first have kids, they're up at three, four hours in the night. They're up every so often. You're getting woken up. They're screaming. They're crying. There's stuff that's going on. So you have to prioritize your quality of it as much as you can, because if you don't, as Trevor was saying, your decision-making ability goes down, your ability to just deal with the day-to-day -day life goes down. And too many people focus on adding in more, adding in more because training and, and movement and the thought process of creating this food also adds stress, also adds a level of cognitive load that when you don't have the sleep, you're just like, oh, screw this, right? You add a bit of training session in there. That's going to um, that's gonna sort of cause more fatigue. It's going to cause more, more feeling more beat up and more you know, un, unrested. And if you just focus on, oh, I've got to, just got to get it done all the time, you're going to run yourself into the ground if you don't have a recovery protocol in place. 
Yeah, I think the old uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger quote doesn't always work, where it's like, I've got so much to do, and he's just like, sleep faster. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if that works <laughs> for most people, um, because it comes to a, bit, a, a time where it's like, well, okay, you're going to get injured in the gym. Um, because we're not properly mm. recovered. You, and I, I think, you know, you do have a sleep debt. You do, we will not need to pay back with this. So if you start sleeping five hours a night, well, you will have to repeat, repay that back at some stage. So when we're looking at optimal sleep, like it's, it's going to be somewhere between seven to eight hours a night. I think it's like 1% or 0.1% of the population that yeah. can get by on like five to six hours a night. And everyone's like, yeah, I swear I'm that one. 1.1%. It's like, well, you're probably not. Um, <laughs> you're probably not the outlier. Um, no, so yeah. if we look at it, it's like as the minimum, we really want to try and look towards seven hours of sleep a night. And when I look at that, I just go, okay, well, what time do you want to wake up? And then when people tell me oh, I'm trying to get training in the morning um, and they just start trying to wake up earlier as they go to bed at the same time. And then go, okay, so what you're trying to do is literally sleep faster or sleep shorter uh, windows when really it's like, okay, well, if we need a minimum of seven hours of sleep a night, then you're waking up at 5 a.m. and that's your goal to wake up at 5 a.m. Well, you need to take seven hours off that. You need to be asleep, okay, not in bed. You need to be asleep by 10 p.m. at the latest. I think that's the most crucial thing. It's like if we look at it then, we keep going back from there. It's like it takes the average person about 14 minutes to get to sleep. So that means you need to be, you know, trying to get to sleep at like 9.45 p.m. I was like, okay, that is my time to try and get to sleep. And then we keep going back from there. So it's, it's reverse engineering. If you want to have a great morning routine, the morning routine starts the night before. Okay, that means you have to have a great night routine. If you want to have great sleep, you have to reverse engineer our waking time to our going to bedtime and our sleeping time. I think that's, again, the next crucial thing we look at. Yeah, if you and a lot of people will struggle with getting to sleep. They'll struggle with that. Oh, I toss and turn. I fall asleep, right? But then when you ask them, well, what do you do? What is like your nighttime routine, your bedtime routine look like? It's all over the place. They do all sorts of random shit. They're on their phone. They're scrolling. They'll just, they'll watch TV until the late hours. You know, they might have a shower later in the day. They might not. It's like, it's, it's all over the place. So we are creatures of habit, right? We've spoken about this on the habits podcast, the, you know, our psychology and our brain, it works really well when it has triggers, cues, and rewards. So if you have a routine, if you have a set of habits that you do before you go to bed, you can essentially train your body to get ready to go to sleep. And that's going to take a little bit of time for a lot of people. But if you can put in place some kind of routine that is repeatable, that's simple, that is doable anywhere, because the big thing is when people travel, they, you know, they run around, they have to go on flights, they have to go on, um, you know, road trips or they, they work away, you know, they might work um, FIFO. So they're flying away. They're working in like a donger or something like that. They've got the issue of, oh, but I can't do the routine that I had at home. So you've got to be able to do it, um, you know, wherever you are. So for myself, that routine looks like around at the moment we've got a four month old so it, it works around whenever she tells us we can go to bed but the big thing for us is looking at when she goes to bed usually somewhere between eight and nine o'clock at the moment um we might watch a little bit of tv at that point just to help unwind my wife enjoys that helps her unwind i'm all right cool um and then as soon as we're going to bed around sort of 8 30 9 o'clock no phones get rid of the blue light from your phone because that essentially acts like daylight. It kind of keeps you awake. Um, the blue light is very, very, it, it promotes the chemicals in your brain, keeps you awake, the melatonin, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it suppresses melatonin. I'm, I'm not super into the science of it. Yeah, there you go. Nailed it. Nailed it in one. Um, it suppresses the melatonin in your body. So you it designed to keep you awake a bit more, which is why scrolling on your phone before bed is a huge no-no. Um, and then our routine is we'll go in, we'll brush our teeth, 
right? We'll put our phones on charge. We'll put them to the bed. Um, you know, might have a little bit of a chat and then I read my book, right? Usually it's not, it's not usually like a big pump up, like, you know, David Goggins <laughs> take on the world book. Cause then I'll just want to go out and go for a run. Um, usually it's like a fiction book for us, but after about five pages, I'm already fucking falling asleep because mm. that has been the routine for the, for so long that, you know, it, it's just automatic for me. So you've got to find for yourself and you've got to create it for yourself a sort of a 20 minute to half an hour routine as best you can. That is a sequence of events that you do. Same thing that you do for your kids, right? We read them, we, we bar them, right? Read them a bedtime story, read a, read a book, right? Then we put them to bed. We sing a song, whatever it might be, tuck them in, turn off the lights, go to bed. It's the same thing every single time, but we fucking stop doing it for ourselves. Then we yeah. jump out. We're like, oh, the kid's going to bed. All right, I'm going to grab one of the ice creams from the fridge now that they're asleep and they're not going to want one. All right. Oh, I've got all this stuff going on. So find a plan, <laughs> find a routine that works for you, right? Try to take it away from screens, away from food. It might be like a cup of tea or something like that, like a chamomile or you know, herbal tea that will kind of relax you. Have a conversation with your partner, right? Get the day out so you're not sitting there like holding on to everything and find something that works for you in order to relax and have that routine go over and over and over again. It's going to be individual, but without that routine, you're not going, just going to be able to fall asleep at the right time. Therefore, you're not right. going to wake up at the right time that you want to. You're going to miss that morning workout and it's just going to cascade from there. Yeah, I honestly completely agree with you, mate. It's like, I think for us, and we look at different routines, right? So I know I need to get to sleep by, you know, sleep by 9.45 because I wake up at, you know, that 4.45 on a later day um, means I need to get to bed by that sort of 9.30 or trying to get to sleep by 9.30. If we look back from that, okay, what happens in that 15 minutes? Maybe it's meditation or maybe it is reading a book. Um, before that, do we have some time together with my partner? Do we watch a show together? And it's like, okay, cool, we watched a show. Blue block of glasses on, we're watching a show because of that blue light stimulation and melatonin. And if we look before that, what happens? Maybe 8 to 8.30, you're cleaning up around the house. Maybe that's your routine. Maybe from 7.30 to 8, you eat, and then maybe the kids go to sleep at 7.30. Like everyone is different, but it's trying to create a very set-by-set, -set, a list of this is what I do. People might be like, that's really boring, right? Yeah, but it's like, no, discipline equals freedom, right? Mm -hmm. It means... I, I get to eat, I get to uh, sleep well, I get to have time with my partner, like everything goes in there, you know, between 9 to 9.45 to 9.46 is when we have sex, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm joking, <laughs> but yeah, we look at yeah. it. <laughs> Come on, give yourself, give yourself two minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, but when we look, yeah, exactly. But when we look at it, it's, it's like it's a very easy set of structure and routine that allows us to switch off, we flow through and I go to sleep. Liv doesn't go to sleep at the same time as me. She actually does watch another show after I go to sleep. Uh, but I just roll over. I'm just going to sleep. This is my time. Like I'm going to sleep. And some of my clients will be like, oh, but you know, we, we got to wait. We watch two shows together at nighttime because we are, that's the only time we get quality time together. It's like, dude, at the end of the week, like one show or two shows of that, you know, you know, um, Netflix episodes that you're watching in the moment, you know, you're not going to think back and go, Oh, I'm really glad that I watched an extra episode of whatever you're watching at the moment. It's like, no, it's like, just watch one at night because it isn't even amazing time together. It's not an experience. You're just mm. cohabitating at that point. Yes, you're cuddling, but you're sitting next to someone for 45 minutes. Like that's like, you don't need to do it for an hour and a half a night. 
you actually don't. Mm. It's like do it for 45 minutes and then get on with your rest of your night, which is going to sleep and doing what you need to do. I think that is the next, the, the crucial thing. It's like, don't make excuses. This is the only time. It's like, no, go on a date night. Actually spend quality time together. That's a totally different podcast. <laughs> but yeah. um, don't, don't think that you being uh, watching TV next to someone for two to three hours every single night is quality time is the opposite of quality time. So I just want to make sure we're, we're stipulating that. Yeah, it, it's the nighttime routine. It's going to vary from, from person to person. But Everyone's as Trevor was saying, it's like you can have some of that stuff, but at the end of the day, is that worth giving up? You feeling groggy and tired and unrecovered in the day. And I mean, beyond all that, there's there's been, and this this is one of the reasons why I don't drink much. Um, beyond the the fact that for a lot of times it's not worth it. Like for me, if I do drink, I try and day drink, right? So that it's all out of my system before I go to sleep. So that way I've got, uh, I've got all my alcohol out and I can have a nice restful sleep. But if you have a drink or if you have a disrupted sleep, not only does it affect your, you know, your hormones and stuff the next day, but there's a, there's a little bit essentially like a channel between your spinal cord and your spine and your brain that essentially gets like clogged up with plaque where your spinal fluid kind of reaches into your brain. And it kind of, when you go to sleep, it clears all of that shit out. And when you have a bad quality of sleep or you have a poor quality of sleep, that doesn't, your brain and your body doesn't get the chance to really clear that out. And that's been linked to dementia and Alzheimer's and brain disease and all this other kind of stuff. So that is for me a big factor as to why I don't drink, why I make sure I stay really like disciplined with um, my sleep schedule, because I would rather get the most out of the day than just get like, you know, a little bit more out of the night. There are going to be times, sure, like let's say, you, for example, you have a date night, you get home a little bit later, you have a cocktail with your wife and you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, that's real connections, the real purpose to that. And it comes back to the idea of doing things with intention as opposed to just doing things just because, right? Doing things by default or design. So if you design your life to get the most out of your day, to get the most out of your life, you'll be a better husband if you're getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock and training and getting a good quality of sleep as opposed to the guy who scrolls his phone until 10.30, 11 o'clock wakes up groggy at six and has to run out the door and doesn't get the chance to say anything because fuck, I've got to run off to work. And then, you know, oh, I'm just going to grab a meat pie on the way. Then you come home feeling shit. You snap at your wife, right? These are all cascading effects. And it's like legit, this is fucking what happens. But people don't give enough thought to what is my pattern of behavior here? What are the things that led to this? It all started when you just chose to scroll your phone as opposed to go to sleep because, yo, I just need some time for myself to unwind. That if you need that time to unwind, then we need to create better rituals around unwinding and more intentional time for you to unwind. And it's not going to be scrolling. It's not going to be what it might be watching TV for some people, right? And just sitting back, relaxing, ah, oh, you know, and really actively enjoying it. But you know, most people fucking half watch shows these days. I've got my phone, I'm scrolling my Instagram while I'm while I'm watching the TV. And oh, this, oh, wait, what's happening? Wait, I need to rewind, right? So giving yourself intentional time. That's my big one. Yeah, man, 100%. I think we're not truly present in anything that we do. And that's the actual issue is like, you know, intentional time and being present in that moment. Yeah, for sure. If you're engaging with your partner, but even if you're laying in bed and you're scrolling your phone, it's like, you're not even being present there. So I think it's like yeah. your phone doesn't need to be anywhere near your bed. Like you can put it in the other room, you know, like put it in your ensuite, like Put it in charge there. Turn your alarm on there. It means you're not going to wake up and scroll your phone. It means you're not going to be scrolling your phone last thing before you go to sleep. Like you don't need your phone next to your bed unless you're someone who's on call, right? That was the only caveat to that. Uh, but you don't need your phone next to your bed. And I think that's something that people have to get over. I think there's a couple other things. It's like, one, should your room be dark? And I see so many people with like 
flashing lights and, you know, they want their blinds open and street, like your room needs to be dark, right? I, I think I can't stress this enough. Like the darkness signals the body to produce melatonin. So again, while we wear blue blocker glass and we can talk about that afterwards and we get off our phones and digital devices, we should have a digital sunset somewhere in that sort of nighttime routine. Whereas like the devices go away because that allows melatonin to be secreted, which allows you to get a restorative and deep sleep. Like even small amounts of light can disrupt your sleep quality. So we should have a pretty much an ultra dark room um, because if not, your circadian rhythm is going to be all over the shop. Um, we want restorative sleep. We don't want to wake up feeling groggy. You know, if you've got this like blinking light in the corner of the room, like you might not think it actually affects your sleep, it affects your sleep. So we want to make sure that that is a way. We want to make sure our room temperature is cold, okay? <laughs> 15 to 19 degrees Celsius is the optimal room temperature for sleep. Our body naturally decreases its core temperature you know, during sleep, so we, can, we should be in a cooler environment so we can help it to de decrease the core temperature. That will help you get a deeper sleep. Again, it will help you get a more restful sleep. Again, we all know that... You know, if it's a hot summer night and you don't have, um, you know, air conditioning, something to regulate the temperature, you wake up like 400 times, right? Yeah. And you're so restless. It's restful. It's so. so it's like, all, like all, yeah, exactly, right? Because your body can't get sleep. So we need to make sure that our, if we can, if you have the ability to do this, to control the room temperature somewhere between 15 to 19 degrees, that will help your body's core temperature decrease. It will reduce the ability for you wanting to wake up at night time and give you again, the best quality of sleep. The last thing is like, I wanted to talk about before we move on to a couple of other things is, you know, the first thing in the morning is like morning sunlight exposure. So we don't want light exposure at night. We do want a cold room. And we do want morning exposure in the morning, that sunlight exposure. So this, again, it helps set our um, circadian rhythm. This then suppresses melatonin, okay? So we can suppress it so it actually does come up when we do want it. Um, it helps us make be more awake and more alert. Um, it also helps set our internal body clock. It helps body's regulation of cortisol in a good way because cortisol is also fat burning, but also it's a catabolic hormone. So cortisol regulating properly in the, in the system actually helps you break down body fat. When it's chronic cortisol, like we talked about earlier, because our sleep's all shitty, well, then it helps break down muscle mass because it's a catabolic ho hormone. So when we look at this, like sunlight exposure in the morning helps with our fat burning. Like it just it helps regulate our mood. And if we're feeling better, increases serotonin. Like we feel better, we make better choices. We talked about gratitude last week. So it's like, there's so many little things with morning sunlight exposure, like step out, stand in the sun, do it naked if you want to do it naked. And like, just just actually have that's that morning sunlight. And I think like that will set you up for the rest of your day. Yeah, if you have, again, this all just comes back to intention. There's been no, numerous studies done on people on identical um, fat loss interventions and muscle gain interventions where some people will get less sleep, they'll get like six hours, and the people who get nine hours, and they'll compare the two and see who loses more body fat, right, if they're both on the same, roughly the same deficit. And it's showed over and over and over again that people who are in a deficit that don't get enough sleep lose more muscle mass, they lose less body fat, 
compared to the people that do more. So it is one of the biggest things that you can do to optimize. If you're doing your training and you're hitting your nutrition, you're getting your protein in, outside of that, people then go, oh, well, what supplements do I take, right? No, the next step is looking at how is your sleep? If you're not sleeping enough and you're not got a high quality enough of sleep, you're going to be actually losing less body fat, losing more muscle mass than other people that would be on something very similar. So to get the, um, to get the most out of what you're doing, that's why we look at sleep with intention. If you have that nighttime routine, it flows well into a morning routine. And guess what? It's going to take a week or two. It's going to take some time to get used to. It's probably going to take longer than that before it's really ingrained, but it'll start feeling good probably after about a week or two. So mm. you've just got to give it a go for that period of time. Be like, well, all right, build my nighttime routine around what time I want to wake up in the morning. Yes, I'm going to feel groggy in the morning initially, but fuck, it's going to feel good. We've all had those days where we've woken up after the right amount of sleep and it's like, oh yeah, I can take on, I can take on the day. Imagine if every day was like that the amount of stuff you'd be able to get done, the quality of, of father that you'd be able to be, right? There's so much that goes into it and so much that comes from it. But um, one of the other things we're gonna to touch on now is looking at how do you deal with stress and anxiety and all that other kind of stuff that comes up through the day? What are your stress relief mechanisms so that you can go to sleep better, so that you can create those routines mm. without being stressed about it? Because that's the other big thing. When you're stressed, you're creating that chronic level of cortisol, which is not great as we've talked about. So we need to have, there's going to be a period, periods of acute stress. Training is a period of acute stress, but we don't want chronic stress. We don't want that constant nagging in the back of the head day in, day out. Oh, fuck, I've got all this stuff to do. And I'm feeling like I'm not, I'm not on top of everything, right? So that's going to be one of the things we want to address is how do you currently relieve stress, right? It's that one minute at 9.35 p.m. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think, mate, like, you know, stress is huge. Um, you know, for so many of us, we don't have the ability to like pause and plan. So it's like mm -hmm. fight or fight, pause and plan, right? And I think those are the two modes and essentially it's a sympathetic or a parasympathetic nervous system. And we have these two sort of nervous systems running through our body. And so many of us are sitting so far on the, on the sympathetic, which is that fight or flight response. Like we're constantly getting attacked by a tiger if we go back the olden days. Um, and that's because we're constantly bombarded with notifications. We're constantly in reaction mode rather than being proactive with life. Everything's coming at you and you're just constantly trying to fend off the people the problems, um, the constantly being on for work or kids, especially with everything else going on, we need to go, well, of course, we're going to be chronically stressed, okay? Unless we have um, a plan, like we, I really loved what you said before. It's like by design, not by default, right? Mm. It's like unless we design this plan to understand that I live in a time right now where the ability to be stressed is higher than ever. Okay, so I must design a plan where I can be in pause and plan and get out of fight or flight for periods throughout the day. Because if we ask, if we're chronically stressed, you know, cortisol's through the roof. We talked about this before. Fat storage goes up, belly fat goes up, testosterone goes down, growth hormone goes down. All of a sudden, you go, you're a skinny fat guy with a belly and man boobs, right? And then, and not being able Three to, arms. you know, grow, grow a set of arms. Exactly, right? And it's like, oh, what happens? Like, dude, you, you just didn't sleep well, um, which caused you to overeat. And then you're chronically stressed, which diminished um, all your muscle mass and you grew a gut and that's what happened. And what could you have done? You could have done a bit of meditation journaling and had a good night's sleep. Like I think those are keystone habits that knock all knock over all the other habits. So, you know, we don't want those 
you know, increased in inflammatory markers inside the body. We don't want, you know, essentially this reduced insulin sensitivity. So when we have carbohydrates, blood sugar levels go all over the place. And that's what stress does to you as well. Um, you know, chronic stress <clears throat> impairs that sleep quality that we were talking about before. It decreases our motivation to engage in healthy behaviors. So all of a sudden we're even less motivated. You know, we increases our want of consumption of high calorie, high fat coping mechanism foods. That's what stress does to us. It impairs our digestive function. So all of a sudden we can start to get malabsorption of the actual foods where you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, hey, am I hitting my protein goal? It's like, no, you're not even absorbing your protein because you're so stressed all the time. It reduces your energy levels. You're constantly fatigued. So when we look at it, it's like, like chronic stress is not good. It does, it does all this shit. Okay. And me talking to you about this right now is probably stressing you out as well, but we're going to tell you how to fix it guys. Like we just know that you need to like being stressed all the time is not a good thing. And if you're an entrepreneur out there, the hustle harder mentality is not a good thing. And if you love Alan Schwarzenegger, no, it's not about sleeping faster. That's okay. He had extracurricular supplements to help him sleep faster. So when we're looking at it, guys, it's like, if, if you're the average dad who just wants to optimize their body composition and feel fantastic every fucking day, like we need to handle stress and we need to handle sleep. And to get us out of this constant fight or flight sympathetic mode and to get us into parasympathetic pause and plan mode, that's what we're going to go through now. Hmm. I think one of the one of the keys that sort of spikes that cortisol gets us into that fight or flight as well for a lot of people is excess caffeine. Um, hmm. And that, that could be a real killer for a lot of people because it creates a cycle. You wake up feeling like shit because you had a shit night's sleep the night before. So you go straight, oh, I've got to have a coffee, right? Ideally, if you can delay a coffee for about an hour, the impact that it has on the level of cortisol in your body is dramatic. And then you don't get that big spike of cortisol. You don't get that big spike of fight or flight immediately. As Travel's saying, go outside, get some sunlight, just wake up, like properly wake up before you start throwing caffeine and throwing mm. um, shit into your system. Start with some water, give yourself a bit of time to actually wake up, right? And this is going to come in later on. You have that first coffee like immediately when you wake up because you're feeling tired right and then you have another one like three hours later because you're feeling really tired caffeine doesn't actually um doesn't actually give you energy what it does is it blocks adenosine so it essentially suppresses your natural release of hormones and it gives you the illusion of just not feeling tired um but you know most people when they do it they just get jittery they feel tired but now i've got yeah. jitters right so and a lot of people don't really attribute their poor sleep to their late um, their late caffeine intake because caffeine can have a half-life of up to five hours depending on who you are. So that means yeah. that for me, I cut out caffeine 10 hours before sleep. So that means, guess what? Oh, that's sad. But that means that about midday, I'm cutting out my caffeine intake. I've got Coke, no sugar, no caffeine just for that reason so I can have it in the afternoon and have it not affect my sleep. Yeah, man. I think if you look at it, if you're having a monster, that half-life of five to six hours, that is literally most people. But it, the, what that actually means for everyone out there, you know, if you're having, you know, a, a black coffee and it's got 150 milligrams, like a large coffee, it's got 150 milligrams caffeine, or you've got a Monster Zero, it's got 200 milligrams caffeine or 150 milligrams caffeine, you still got 75 milligrams of caffeine running through your system at eight o'clock at night if you had it at 2 p.m., right? If it, you know, it's at nine o'clock at night if you had it at 3 p.m. So when we look at that, you're not going to be able to get into restful sleep. 
Like it's mm. going to impair the first couple of sleep cycles for you. So you're not going to be able to recover. Of course, you're going to be stressed. So like caffeine, we need to reduce it. Like you said, like wait before you have it. And then we want to have it in a window. It's like an intermittent fasting window kind of thing for a caffeine window. It's like, I have my caffeine between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. Maybe that's your window. You're allowed caffeine. Um, and it's just understanding and that's, again, depending on your schedule and depending on when you go to sleep and when you wake up. And I think it's just understanding that. If you wake up at 5, maybe have caffeine after your workout. If you're doing that, and maybe have it at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then your caffeine's from 7 till 12. And you've got this five-hour window where you have a couple of coffees. There is nothing wrong with caffeine as far as you know having a great coffee. Like, coffee is great. But there is a problem with having caffeine at certain times of the day that if you want to control your stress and control your sleep. I think that's a big thing you have to understand. Yeah. I think one of the things that me and my wife found, um, sometimes we would reach for coffee automatically when actually what we were was hungry. Uh, you can, you forget sometimes that food is also energy, right? Caffeine isn't actually energy, but food is energy, but you sometimes you automatically reach for those drinks and those little things as, as it'll pick me up. So if we can manage caffeine better, and we're not having it first thing in the morning, we're not spiking our cortisol and we're not having it too late into the day so that it ends up affecting our sleep, right? That means we've got a, a better energy, a better distribution of energy throughout the day. We're not having big crashes in, um, in blood sugar from big spikes in cortisol and big spikes in insulin at the same time. So if we can manage our caffeine intake, that's gonna go a long way to help managing our stress. The, the second thing that I'd recommend for, for everyone is either some kind of mindfulness practice or meditation practice. And it doesn't have to be airy fairy, right? It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to sit outside under a tree and go, oh, like, you know, and I know the average, the average dad listening here is going to be like, fucking, I don't want anyone to hear me doing this shit. Like you're not going to be up on site, you know, doing that in, in your, um, in, in your donga, right? Or in your, fucking, lotus, in, your you, in your lotus yeah. pose, saying your mantra. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> sitting on the, uh, sitting on the bobcat, just, you know, holding your, on your fingers. No, it's, um, it, the biggest thing is we've spoken about already is intention and presence and bringing awareness to how am I actually feeling? feeling right now. Too many guys, too many men especially, will just squash how they're feeling, right? It's this whole macho bravado bullshit culture that especially Australia has perpetuated where it's like, nah, you just fucking get it. You get you get your head down, you just get it done. And it's like, look, there's a time for that kind of attitude, right? Especially when it comes to, you know, working out, going to work, you know, when you're tired and you're providing for a family, there's a level of, I've just got to get it done. But that doesn't mean you have to be ignorant to how you're feeling. And that doesn't mean you have to be ignorant to the stresses that are going on and having a way to express them because it's like anything, get a bottle of Coke and you shake it up, you put a Mentos in there, right? The Mentos is your stress, you shake it up, it's gonna explode unless you can crack the, the lid and you let out the pressure bit by bit by bit. And that's going to be things like, you know, and this is going to be probably a whole nother podcast, but talking to your partner and discussing with your partner and, and, and having those open conversations with how you're feeling mm. and what's going on and potentially how they can support you. But short of that, things like a, a journal or a diary or even, even a voice recording note, right? Like if, let's say you're yeah. pissed off about something. And you almost just need to fucking like, just have it out. Like one of those mental arguments you have in your head, you just can press like record on a voice memo and just like shout it out as if you're about to send that to someone. And then you can just delete it and get it out of your system. Same thing with the journal, writing out, how are you feeling? What's going on? What is eating you up? Because if you can get it out of your body and out of your head and onto the page, then it, it's like, cool. It's stored there. My body doesn't need to hold onto it anymore. Cause it's, it's like, it's there, it's stored, it's, it's captured. So I, my brain doesn't need to hold onto this. Right. It's the same thing if you have trouble getting to sleep because of stuff like that. So if you have some kind of 
present mindfulness practice where you just bring awareness to whether it's your breath, your thoughts, you just take five minutes where you just, even if you're not closing your eyes and, you know, doing anything, you just, you know, maybe you're out on the deck or out the backyard, you just take a couple of deep breaths and you're just like, you just check in with yourself. Like, how am I feeling today? What's going on for me? All right. Too many of us, because we're, it's not that we don't know how to do it. It's just that we're out of touch with getting in touch with ourselves. We're out of touch with our own intuition. We've been kind of blocking it out for so long that when people try to do it, my advice is just do less, right? Do mm. less, scale it back. Just be like, all right, how am I feeling today? Just ask yourself the question and don't judge whatever comes up. Whatever comes up is what comes up. And the more you can bring presence to that, the more you can actually, because you know, we often respond um, unconsciously just from where we're feeling and how we're feeling. We just respond from that place and we don't, oh, I don't even know where that came from. Whereas if you slow down, you bring some presence into your life. You take some time to pause. Uh, I know guys that will do this. They get home from work. They just take five minutes in the car before they open the door, before they get home from work. They'll just sit in the car and they'll just, you know, I'm just going to reassess my energy levels. I don't want to come home with the kids with that intensity or that energy. That's like, mm. oh, all this stuff from work. I want to have this moment. I'm just going to chill and set some intention, have some awareness, and then go in with that. And you're going to be an infinitely better person because of it. Yeah, I think it's like, because you're like these anchor points, and I teach most of our guys as well, we go through, okay, what's an anchor point where you can shift into the identity needed in that point in your life? You know, the roles and the goals that we have, we have different roles in our life where, you know, we might be a business owner, or we, we go to work, we have a role of health, and we have a role of dad or partner. So when we're shifting from work version of you, that identity, that that needs a certain level of character traits and intensity, you need to shift into the other identity, which is loving, caring, present, compassion. And that is the dad version of you and the partner version of you. It's like when you're driving in, it's an anchor point in your driveway or you touch your, your letterbox and all of a sudden you sit, shift identities, deep breath in, and then you're shifting into the version of you that's needed in that point in your life. And I think when we look at this, like something that I do with frustration and stress so many times I think the biggest thing is we carry stress around all these um, situations we can't control. So the stress is at the end of the day is unneeded. You know, if we can't control the situation, we're stressed about things that happened in the past. And if it happened in the past, well, you can't change the past. Or we're stressed about situations that are in the future. And we don't know if the situation is going to actually happen. We're just stressed around the idea and the possibility that it may happen. So it's like, well, well, I can't change the future. I can only control right now my actions. I can't change the past. And if it happened in my past, what I look at this, if something happened and it really irritated me, I'll go step aside. I'll like just yell. I'll yell for like, I'll, you, you're allowed two minutes. You're allowed two minutes to deal with these emotions right now. You can deal with whatever it is. Like you just get those emotions. You play with it. You write it out or you yell or you do whatever you need to do. And then I just say to myself out loud, can't change it. I literally <laughs> can't change it. And it's like that there's a line in the sand. It's like, I can't change what happened. Okay. I allowed myself to feel the emotion that was because of the frustration, stress, anger, whatever it was. Um, but I can't change what happened. So then I don't need to continue to carry those emotions forward for the rest of my day because it doesn't serve the rest of my day. Like it doesn't serve me to continue to carry them on to everyone else, this anger and frustration and stress and you know, the chemical byproducts of that internally of overreading and, you know, breakdown of testosterone and muscle mass. It's like, I can't change it, move on. I think that will allow us to do it. And then if I really need to, I'll move into some box breathing. Um, so meditation, I believe, is something that everyone should do. Um, again, it's not airy-fairy, it's not foo-foo. 
Like there was so much studies around meditation and your ability to um, improve your cognitive performance. So your work ability, um, your ability to expand the gap between stimulus and response and choose the best version of you because you are more mindful. Um, you do have the ability to control impulses better uh, from meditation. You know, I've done meditation courses that cost like thousands of dollars and they taught my, me my own mantra. Uh, but I honestly, the biggest thing I like to do is box breathing, which costs nothing. You don't even need a headspace app, but you can do courses like transcendental meditation. You can go into a headspace app and listen to a guided meditation. It's like 10 bucks a month. Just do it for 10 minutes every morning. Do it for five minutes, do it for two minutes. I don't care. Just start somewhere, right? Start somewhere that's so simple that you get started as too easy to fail. Um, but I just do box breathing and I start, I go breathe in. So you breathe in for four seconds to five seconds. I start with four seconds for my first couple of rounds. I breathe in for four seconds, like I'm drawing in on a box. I hold for four seconds. It's the other side of the box. I breathe out for four seconds. So it's the bottom of the box. I hold that for four seconds. And that's the other side of the box. So you're breathing like a box. Now with this, I'll go from a couple of rounds. So I'll do four breath sets of that. So it's every breath is 16 seconds. And I'll do that for, for four rounds, which is about a minute. Now I'll shift to five seconds. So then it's three breaths per minute. And then I'll shift to six seconds. Okay. So we're shifting up and I'm really getting to about two to two and a half breaths a minute. And then I'll sit there and I'll just do my box breathing for about 10 minutes. All of a sudden my heart, my heart rate like drops. Like I, I go into this sort of meditative state and it's like, people say, I don't want to meditate I'm, or I'm not good at meditation because I can't silence everything. I get these thoughts coming. It's like, yeah, dude, that means you need to meditate. If you can't be still in your mind with your thoughts and it's, it's not, if a thought comes in, it's like, oh, you don't get angry with yourself. It's like, oh, there's a thought and you just push it away. It's like, okay, there's a nice thought. I don't need that right now. And you get back into your box where you like, breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, and you just go through this as controlling and being super present in this moment and giving time to yourself. And that will help give you that parasympathetic state that we're looking for to give you 10 minutes out of fight or flight each day, which will help you control your impulses, which will help you be a better dad because all of a sudden things won't frustrate you as much. It will help you with your impulse control, with your food choices. It will allow you to, instead of get frustrated with some with work, expand that gap between stimulus and response. You just become a better person. So meditation is crucial. Um, you know, journaling, like you were talking about before is crucial. Go get a massage. If you want to get a massage, that's also parasympathetic. You know, nature exposure is also parasympathetic. Go sit in a field by yourself um, somewhere. Um, that's great. That no also piss you off. No you off. Um, going for a walk is parasympathetic. Like just literally just going for a walk. Maybe if you help go with your walk with your partner and hold their hand, all of a sudden we're getting connection as well, right? It's like, like, and you do it in the morning and we've got sunlight exposure. So we're hitting all these things at once. Like if we can try and actually, you know, I laugh, but if we can try and pull things together where we're hitting like multiple birds with the same stone, and, you know, that is a metaphor. Don't actually go and start killing birds. But if we're hitting, you know, the sunlight exposure, we're getting the connection with the partner, you know, we're, we're getting that walking, which is parasympathetic, and we're getting some steps in there, which is also, also awesome. We're getting all these things, which are great for us, and we can do it in a routine where we go for a walk or do it with the kids. It's up to you, like listening to calming music. You know, for me, when I work, I listen to, I, I listen to um, you know, Beethoven or I listen to classical music because it calms me. I, I'm more focused, 
right? Like my distractions go away. So maybe listen to some classical music. That's something you could do. And that helps reduce stress as well. So it's like, these are the, all the different things that push you into a parasympathetic state, which help decrease cortisol, put you out of that chronic state, help increase testosterone, help you get that results you're looking for. Don't let you, the ghrelin and the leptin and, and your insulin all out of whack. Like these are the things you need to be doing. Okay. So hmm. if you, you, you get anything from that, it's like start doing some meditation and you can start with literally four box breaths. That's it. And all of a sudden you're a meditator. Yeah. Even if you're just counting the breath in your head and you're just going in two, mm. three, four, hold two, three, four. Yeah. Out. And then that's, it's an easy way to, to silence like what, um, cause my sister did a, um, a yoga meditation retreat and they call it the, the monkey mind, right? Just, ah, just, mm. just grabbing at all these different things. Um, but you just exactly as Trevor's saying, it's like, if it comes in, okay, thank you. Appreciate that don't need you right now. We're just going to let you go. Mm. Right. And it's, it's the, the reason why all that stuff is coming up is because you're never giving yourself the space for those things to come up. It's like I talked about with the Coke metaphor. Like you, you, if you don't, if you never let the pressure out, it just bubbles up and, and boils over. Same thing with all those random little thoughts going on. Oh yeah. Got to do this. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. But the problem is not the thoughts. It's the judgment around the thoughts, right? Mm. It's the fact that you're putting the judgment on the thoughts and like, oh, I've got to action that or this, or I'm not good enough because I didn't do this, or this person pissed me off. They're a piece of shit or whatever. And then you get into all of this other stuff that goes on and just be, it becomes a, a thing, right? And then you can even the, the visualization as you're breathing of like allowing it in. And then as you breathe out, you're just letting it go, mm. right? Those, those little mental visualizations have a very powerful effect. Like your mind is your mind is a tool that if you use it in the right way and if you harness it and you use it with with intention can create some drastic changes in your physiology and drastic changes in your body and your hormone levels and that even if you just tried now did as you're listening to this two rounds of brox breathing right if with your with your eyes open right if you're driving so you just take a deep breath in for four hold for four for four and then hold for it just it slows everything down and that's what you need to do if you want to get on top of that stress if you want to come from any kind of intentional um active versus reactive place in your life and the i know these things can seem you know they seem small but as we've talked about the impact that they have on the rest of your body on your attitude on your life on your relationships on everything is um it can't be understated how important it is to get your mind right and to get your stress control going and, and have have these these sort of man stress management and emotional management things in place in your life because life is just going to build up and beat you down otherwise and then it's all going to bubble over so you've got to have those little those little coke twist little ch 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 just you know let the pressure out and and like you said like at the very start habitually put them in your life you don't wait till the moment you're about to do some falling down moment and mow people down with a machine gun. Like you need to like have them you need have to, your school literally, yeah, literally like we, we don't want that. Um, yeah. like I, I think what we do want is we want to implement these meditations or breathings or walkings or journalings, you know, just sprinkled throughout our day. So we, we're constantly letting that pressure out essentially, and we never have to get to the point of the chronic stress or overwhelm um, where we then cope with alcohol or food or, you know, porn or anything else. It's like it's prevention as opposed to cure. Yeah, exactly. And right. It's like too, yeah, you never too many are bleeding out. 
Yeah, too many people will they'll wait until it gets too much and then they'll be like, oh, I'm going to meditate. Oh, no, it's already too late, right? It's like, um, I've got heart mm. disease. Now I'm going to start working out. What's well, like the best time mm. to start working out and eating, right, was when you first put on a few kilos and your doctor was like, oh, hang on, you might want to get this checked out. Uh, that's when you need to start doing this stuff. And it's like the, the mental side of things doesn't have a doctor necessarily to tell you, like unless you're going to see like a psychologist, they're not going to be able to tell you, hey, oh, yep, you're, uh, your stress levels are rising a little bit too high. You're starting to get anxious. You're starting to get, um, mm. you know, angry all the time when you don't need to be let's take your medicine let's start lifestyle factors that you need to change they're not going to have that for most people so you've got to be aware of it yourself it's like i need to start micro dosing this to get it under control same way we're doing weight training same way we're doing dieting to to get the weight under control exactly mate and uh that's the biggest thing stuff guys for sleep and stress we've given you some great um fundamental habits that you can implement into your life and everyone's constraints are different and i understand that but now you know a bit of the why sleep and stress is important and also how to get the sleep and stress under control if you want coaching um from us and the team go to fit-dad.club and book him for a call and we can talk about your constraints and how your life is and how we can help you so that's fit-dad.club if you love the podcast don't forget to rate and review if you don't love it don't rate and review uh but if you do give us a good five star um and well, leave uh, us yeah, a one star anyway it still helps with the engagement <laughs> no no bad yeah. press um and that's it from me today guys uh cheers jace for another week mate no worries guys take care we'll chat to you next week